One of my favorite movies is called The Tree of Life. This is a movie that was made in 2011, or at least that's when it came out. And it, it kind of stars Sean Penn. He's, he plays the main character, but most of the movie is actually flashbacks to him as a kid. So he's, you, know, you can see he's not going to be playing a kid. He's an adult. Um, and so the whole movie is like flashbacks of his childhood growing up with his two parents who are played by Brad Pitt, his dad, and his mom, Jessica Chastain. And right in the beginning of the movie, there's a really interesting line. And it, it talks about how it's contrasting the way of nature with the way of grace. And Brad Pitt kind of exemplifies the way of nature. He's kind of a self-made man. He's, he's, he's made this career. He's really strong, kind of tough dad. And he you know, teaches his son how to punch some, you know, how to throw a punch and tries to really toughen him up, and he's kind of no-nonsense. I say, this is how the way it goes, and you know, it's a dog-eat-dog world. You've got to be tough to survive. And Sean Penn's mom is, uh, really exemplifies the way of grace. She just is full of kind of kindness and gentleness, just very soft-spoken and gentle, and brings beauty into their home and and kind of shows them just wonder and, and the marvel of, of creation. And so through this movie, you see these two kind of figures representing these different ways and the struggle of, of Sean Penn's character to, to figure out which path he should take to the, the, to the tree of life. And we all have this same battle in ourselves, don't we? I mean, the world around us operates on a, a system of survival of the fittest. Right? You have to be tough to survive. You get what you earn. You know? You gotta make something out of yourself. You work hard, you study, you know, you can be successful. The American dream, right? Rags to riches. You can pull yourself up out of, you know, a difficult circumstance and rise to success and glory and money and power or whatever else, or just happiness. Is the way of grace, I mean, is that even necessary? Do we need that to find life? To find the path to the tree of life? How do we come to the tree of life? What is the way to live fully? To survive or to thrive in the world? Is the way of nature play a part in that? Is grace useful at all? Is that just kind of a lofty ideal? Or is it an afterthought after you kind of made it on your own? What's God have to say about that? So we've been studying the book of Colossians. We're in our second week of a three-week series. So today we're going to be looking at mostly in chapter 2. And just a little background to give you before we turn there. Uh, Paul has written this letter. This is a review from last week. But Paul has written this letter, most likely in prison in Rome. He's sending it along, uh, along most likely with the letter to Philemon, who lived in Colossae. And also the letter to the Ephesians, which would have been along the journey to get to Colossae. Um, There's an issue happening in the church at Colossae, which has to do with a false teaching that has kind of two aspects to it. One is they're imposing rules and regulations, most likely kind of from Judaism, and saying you have to do these to to be super, super spiritual. You have to follow these Jewish rules to be even maybe a believer. The other side of it is, hey, 
you have to have this ecstatic experience with God or this vision or encounter of seeing angels worshiping in heaven to be mature, to be a super Christian, to be maybe even in their minds a believer. So there's this weird kind of teaching going on and Paul wants to confront that. So he's taking this opportunity to write this letter. And so some themes in the book of Colossians that run as threads that are weaved all the way through this this rug of Colossians is maturity. Paul is writing to encourage them and to change their way of thinking so that the Colossians will, will be fully pleasing to God. So as we said last week, they'll have their stuff together. right? They'll be made whole. They'll be bearing fruit. They'll be, you know, they'll be mature. And he's written last week that the source of maturity is Jesus. The, one who is, the only one that can enable us to get our stuff together is Christ Himself. Because the problem is sin and Jesus is the only answer. And so our job is to respond to what Jesus has done. And so this is what we've talked about last week. And so in this week, we're going to pick up in Colossians chapter 2. So if you have a Bible, you can turn to verse 6. It'll also come up on the, the overhead screen projector. And um, we're going to start in verse 6 in Colossians chapter 2. Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. A couple quick notes. You can see the theme of maturity. Again, Paul's bringing it up in chapter 2 again. And the note of thanksgiving, we said last week, right? Gratitude with grit gets God in you. He's saying thanksgiving again, third time or fourth time in the book. So what is the answer to the question of, hey, you know, what is the way to live? What is the path to the tree of life to be fully alive, fully yourself, filled with joy, getting all there is to get out of life, if you, if you will? The first point that Paul makes is this. With God, everything is a gift. With God, everything's a gift. Everything's a gift with God. Now look what Paul says. As you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him. As you received Him. In the same way. Just as. Well, how do they receive Him? What does the Bible say? For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Not a result of works that no one can boast. For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared before Him that we should walk in them. We didn't earn our salvation, right? Jesus gave it to us as a gift. When we put our faith in Jesus, we're saying, God, I can't earn my way. I'm not good enough. I can't please You. I have lots of stuff in my life that is not of You. It doesn't please You. I need forgiveness. And that can only come through the work of Jesus. So I trust in You to forgive me and cleanse me and accept me into Your family. But Paul is making the point that we're supposed to continue to walk in the same way. For by grace, you are being sanctified through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one can boast about how holy they are or about how much they have their stuff together. For we are His workmanship. He he does the work in us. Created. Passive voice created by God for good works that we should walk in them. 
Right? So the walk is by faith, just as the entrance into God's kingdom, into His family. It's by faith. The work is God's to do. Paul says, as you received Christ Jesus, so walk in Him. The problem is we don't do that. We think, okay, I put faith in Jesus to get saved, and then, you know what, i got to start getting to work here. i got to clean myself up, and i got to look like a good Christian. And stop doing all that sinning stuff and start reading my Bible a lot and praying. Yeah, that'll do it. You notice the word that Paul uses here is rooted, okay? That instantly makes you think of a plant, okay? A plant has roots. When you plant seeds, there's all kinds of stuff that you can do to help them to grow, okay? You can put them in the right spot to get them lots of sun for that appropriate amount for the plant, Right? Because some need more sun, some need less. You can put it in the right spot. You can fertilize it. You can put mulch on top. You can you know, pull the weeds out. You can water it. That's important. But you can't make the seeds grow. Isn't that interesting? You can't do a single thing to force a seed to grow. They just grow. You put the thing in there and then, well, plant, food. It's incredible. But you can't make it grow. So being rooted, right? Paul's using this language. He's going to come back to this later in the chapter and say it's God that causes the growth. Direct quote, okay? We can't make ourselves grow. Getting our stuff together is also a gift. Just like salvation. You can't do it. Right? If we could do it, then Jesus wouldn't have had to come because we could have just cleaned ourselves up and then we'd be perfect. Great. Now we can get into heaven. We wouldn't mess it up by going there. Okay? So, the point is, we can't do it. We have to rely on Jesus. With God, everything is a gift. And so again, Paul's repeating this note of thanksgiving. Because what is thanksgiving? It's recognizing that someone else has given you something good. It's, a, it's an attitude of humility. It's submission. It's saying when we give thanks, we fold our hands and we pray before a meal, we're saying, God, thank You. Because this is from You. I might not have had this today. I couldn't necessarily guarantee that I would eat or that we would be here all together as a family and safe. Okay? It's a gift from God. It's, it's humility in action is gratitude. It's submission. That's the attitude that we need to have. And that's why we said that gratitude with grit, holding on to God even when it's tough last week, is what gets God in you. It's saying, okay, everything's a gift and I'm just thankful for it. So, sanctification, sorry, big Bible word, just, you know, becoming more like Jesus, being more filled with love, having more expressions of love in your life, doing the right thing, is, is kind of like dancing. I hate to reference this movie because there's, there's a lot of bad things in it, but Dirty Dancing, you ever seen the movie? Okay, There's a lot of that movie I do not support. But it's an interesting concept because the guy is this really good dancer and there's this girl that kind of meets him and is like, oh, he's, you know, he's awesome. And he like teaches her how to dance. And he can make it look pretty good even though she doesn't know what she's doing. And that's what Becoming like Jesus is really like. It is a dance. And the Holy Spirit is the leader of the dance. And so our job is to respond to what the Holy Spirit is doing. 
We don't have to always know all the steps. You know, the tango, do-do-do, you know? We don't need to know because we just need to follow and He's going to direct us. Right? That is the Christian walk. It is a dance. It's not striving. It's not making ourselves better. It's dancing with God. It's following His lead. As soon as we think we know all the steps, the dance changes. We have to come with humility. So as soon as we've got, okay, I've got, I've got the, you know, the waltz down, you know, however that goes, it's kind of that four thing. Up, oh, music changes. It's a new season of life. You have to rely on the humility, sorry, of the Holy Spirit in humility. You can't do it yourself. All right, let's keep going. Verse eight. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to Christ. For in Him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily. And you have been filled in Him who is the head of all rule and authority. In Him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off, by cutting off, imagery is circumcision there, by putting off or cutting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ, having been buried with Him in baptism in which you were also raised with Him through faith in the powerful working of God, God doing the work, who raised Him from the dead. And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God, 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 God made alive together with Him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This He set aside, nailing it to the cross, He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. Paul is saying that in Jesus, you are free to live. In Jesus, you are free to live. In Jesus, you you can be made fully alive. It's Jesus that gives you life. It says that Jesus made you alive. right? That God made you alive. Now, Paul has already rehashed the Gospel in chapter 1. And then he does it again in chapter 2. He's just repeating the same thing with different words. Why? Because identity is everything. Because the Gospel is central. We have to know who we are if we're going to grow in Christ and become like Him. That's where the battle lies is in who we are and what God has done. So Paul's reminding the Colossians, this is who you are. Right? First of all, look at Jesus. Right? He, Paul's saying He's God. Right? Looking at Jesus is looking at God. He's, the, he's a perfect representation of who God is because He is all the fullness of God is in Him. He is fully God. And He is the head and all authority of, of His body, the church. Then He shifts to them. He says you've been filled in Christ. You've been filled with life. You've been made alive. Your old nature that's been bent towards evil has been cut off. It's been circumcised. They died. They were raised to life and symbolized through baptism. Right? All the wrong stuff that they ever did was nailed to the cross and the debt that they owed because of the wrong things that they had done and the way they've messed up their own life and the lives of others, that's been paid on the cross by Jesus. That is central. And the evil forces that hold you in chains, they've been disarmed. Right? Jesus says, I took the clips out of their guns. 
and I dulled their knives and bent them, and they, they got nothing on you anymore. They can't hold you down. Because this is where the battle now lies. is in us knowing and believing who we are. Satan's strategy is lies. To get you to believe something that's not true because then you won't walk out into who you really are. It's identity in Jesus. So, Paul uses this phrase, the elemental spirits of the world. Could be translated a number of different ways. Spiritual powers, elementary principles of the world, fundamental principles, or just like elements, like elemental substances. And there's some debate among you know, theologians, scholars, commentators about what Paul is referencing here. But this is what I think. You can look it up on your own if you, if you think my idea is garbage. Um, but I think he's just talking about the way the world works. The way of nature. Survival of the fittest. You get what you deserve. You earn. You can make yourself a man or a woman. You can, you can, you can do it. You can just strive. And you know what? You've got you to compete with other people for the limited resources of this planet. Right? It's a competition. And, and if you're tough and you're good enough, you can do it. And you know, every false doctrine is propagated by spirits that are warring against God's people and trying to feed them lies. Right? The Bible references doctrines of demons. So there's a spiritual component to things that are false and ways of living that are wrong. And there's beings that are propagating those things and wanting us to believe them. So Paul is saying, hey, the way the world works, the way that your culture says that you earn stuff and you've got to survive and compete with other people is not the way of the kingdom of God. And that takes a radical mind shift. Because our whole lives, we're growing up in a culture where it's like, hey, you study for the test, you pay attention in class, notes, hey, get a good grade, good job, gold star, you're pretty good. You study hard, you, know, you go to a good college, yeah, you get a good career, great, here you go, gold star, you make some money, good job. You know? Oh, you're pretty good at pretty good basketball, you shoot the three, oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, clap it up, put your name in the paper, awesome. Okay? Right? Isn't that how it works? You do a good job. And so you're a good boy. You're a good girl. Here's some stuff. Here's some accolades. I'm not saying all that stuff's bad. But that's the nature of the world, right? And you're competing against others. But it doesn't work that way in God's kingdom. Right? With God, everything's a gift. It's not striving anymore. It's receiving. Right? The kingdom of God doesn't work the same way. It's not the way of nature. It's the way of grace. It's a dog-eat-dog world out there. Hmm, no, it's okay. God can protect me. Got to fight for survival. These limited resources on our planet. Hmm, God can provide for me. I'll just receive whatever He's going to give me. It's a totally different mindset. God deals in grace, not guilt. That's the currency of heaven. So Paul is telling them, hey, you don't have to live the way that you used to live. Don't go back to that. 
Because you've been made new in Jesus. And the way to life is the way of grace. The way to being fully alive, content. To be who you're truly made to be is the way of grace. So, let me compare it to sailing. This is from Charlie, a little footnote there. Sanctification is like sailing, okay? There's a river flowing on this stage, okay? It's going this direction. It's flowing that way, okay? On this end, the sea is the kingdom of the world. And at the river's head, somewhere down there, is the kingdom of God. And when we're born, we're all born on a boat in the middle of this wide river, and the river's flowing this way, taking us in this direction. That's the natural bent of all of our souls. is just going the way that we want to go. Which is letting us just drift down the river. And that's the way of the world too. The world, the flesh, the devil, they're all just kind of pushing us along on this little boat. Okay? Now, some people realize at some point that there's oars on this boat. So they grab an oar and they say, you know what? I love this direction. I'm, I'm, I'm going for it. I'm going to make myself a man. I'm going to just, you know, get whatever I can out of life. Forget everybody else. Whatever iteration of that looks like. You know, I'm going to, you know, just drug it up, drink, you know. I mean, just whatever, you know, sinful thing you think is just, you know, whatever self-centered, go in that direction. Other people grab an oar and they go, you know what? I'm going to be good because that's really going to make me happy. That's going to lead to life. I'm going to paddle this way. I'm going to paddle. The problem is the boat is bigger than you thought it was. So paddling doesn't do a whole lot. And the current is ten times faster or stronger than you can paddle. It's impossible to make any progress. And after a while, you just get tired. Because rowing's hard. I bought a rowing machine. Man, it's tough. All right. This is where Jesus comes in. Jesus, the whole time, has been wanting to get on our vessel. And at some point, when we encounter the story of Jesus, the person of Jesus, and we say, you know what? This is the truth. Jesus, I'm going to follow you. We welcome him onto our boat. And he gives us an amazing revelation. This isn't a rowboat. It's a sailboat. If you've ever tried to row a sailboat, it's hard. You can't really go anywhere. But if you have a sail... You can do awesome things. And Jesus says, hey, you're on a sailboat. You realize this is a sailboat. You were meant to sail, not to row. And so if the current is flowing this way, the amazing other thing is that you've always felt like the wind's been in your face or whatever. The wind is blowing this way. The wind is blowing upstream. And it's always blowing. The wind is never stopping. And the wind is the Holy Spirit. He's constantly wanting to push you forward. But we have a small part to play, and that is raising the sail. It's raising the sail to catch the wind of what the Holy Spirit's doing. Now, it's hard in life to see the distinction between trying to row upstream and raising the sail and letting the Holy Spirit push us. I'm going to try to keep elaborating this. Okay? So our job is not to just give it all we've got and row really hard and make ourselves good. It's just to have Jesus on the vessel saying, hey, turn the sail a little to the left. Catch a little more wind. 
Oh, okay, time to flip it. You know, what's it called when you swing the thing this way and you change? Yeah, thank you, tagging. You know, I, I don't know. I've sailed on a sunfish in a lake. It was awesome, but that's all I've ever done. So I don't know a lot. You know, so you, know, you swing it back the other way, you know, going this way. And Jesus is just, you know, he's just your coach. He's, he's saying, okay, swing it this way. The wind's changed direction a little bit. You've got to go this way and now follow the way the wind's going. Up, up, this way now. You see, it's like a dance, okay? Jesus is with you. It's the Holy Spirit that's helping you make progress on your journey, becoming more like Jesus. It's not, it's not you just striving and making it happen. Right? So walking in Jesus, Paul uses that walk, right? It's raising the sail. It's listening to Jesus' voice so that He can change you, so that He can direct you. Now the cool thing is, when you're rowing, you can compare with how fast you're rowing with somebody else. Like, look at that jerk. He's rowing downstream. What a sinner, you know? Jerk. You know, sinner. Okay? Look at me. I'm rowing upstream. Look how fast I can row. I can do 30 strokes a minute. Watch this. You know? That guy, he's getting like two strokes a minute. Loser. Right? I'm beating him. But you're not going anywhere. Right? Comparison. Gone. The wind is powering your boat. You're just like moving the sail around. I mean, come on. The wind is pushing the vessel. You're not doing it. It takes comparison with other people out of the equation. It's your own journey with Jesus. And you know what? Sailing is fun. If you've ever done it, you know, it's just like, it's just amazing. The boat's going. I'm just holding this thing. And there it goes. You're zipping along the water. And sometimes, you know, if you really are cutting it hard and you get into the wind, the boat like curves up like this, you know. And then you really feel like you're awesome and you're sailing well. But it's fun. And it's a journey now. It's not just this struggle and drifting along aimlessly. Now there's a point. There's a destination. There's a purpose of life. And you've got someone directing you along the journey. So all of this to say, okay, the main point was you're a sailboat. You're not a rowboat. Your identity in Jesus is everything. Right? The currency of heaven is grace, not guilt. It's, this passage says all your stuff, all your junk was nailed to the cross. It's gone. It's gone. Right? So we have to believe that faith is the fuel for us. Believing this stuff is true is the fuel for making progress. It's listening to the voice of Jesus and trusting when he says shift that sail a little to the left, that he's actually there doing that. And a lot of times for us, we just have a hard time believing that God is actually with us. That we can hear his voice, right? That he is directing us, that the Holy Spirit has power to transform your life. I mean, if you're the devil, wouldn't you want to just like speak lies over all that stuff? Because it totally debilitates you. God's not there. Okay, he's there, but he doesn't speak to you. Okay, well, maybe he will, but he doesn't have any power to change your life. I mean, come on. You got to do it. Just, you know, pick yourself up and make it happen. Okay, do you see it? It's just a dumb trick that the devil plays. It's just lies. God is with us. Jesus is on the boat. He is constantly speaking to you. And the Holy, the wind of the Holy Spirit is always blowing. It never stops. He's constantly pursuing us seeking us out, working to make us more like Jesus. It's His work. Let's read the, rest of the last part of this passage. Verse 16. 
Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. All those things in the Old Testament were pointing to Jesus. It was supposed to direct the Israelites to say, look, this, is, this isn't making it. Jesus is coming. Let no one disqualify you insisting on aestheticism and worship of angels going on a detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. Easy to do to be prideful when you're comparing. Not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to things that shall all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teaching. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Isn't that amazing? We can't do anything to change ourselves with rules. Right? We don't live by rules. We live through relationship. Okay? It's life through relationship. Life comes through relationship with Jesus. The one way to life is relationship with Jesus. It's following Him. There's only one path to the tree of life. And there's only one person that knows that root. His name is Jesus. There's no other way to becoming fully alive, fully who we are, looking like Jesus inside and out, constantly filled with love, being able to love enemies, forgive anyone that wrongs us. We have to have Jesus. Rules can't stop our flesh. We can't just corner ourselves in and say, you know, I'm going to do better this year, and I'm going to be better, and do better, and be better, and do better. Right? Real quick, John Piper talks about in a sermon I read this week, I, I, I really like Piper, he, he, um, he says there's two forms of legalism. One is, I earn stuff with God. And that's what's going on in this passage. Hey, I, you know, I'm going to box myself in with these rules and regulations and, and do all these things, and that's going to that's get me further up with God. And the other way is comparison with other people. You know, we do all these things to say, I'm better than him. I'm better than her. Yeah, better. Okay? Neither one of those things gets us anywhere. It's just paddling a sailboat. You're going nowhere. Paul says right in this passage that the growth is from God. It comes through being connected to Jesus, the head of the church, the head of our body. So, let's just talk then for a second about the spiritual disciplines. Okay? Because then you're instantly thinking, okay, well, well how do I you know, do this? I mean, okay, so you read the Bible and pray. Okay, so the answer is the same. You just do the stuff. What's the distinction? Okay? So the spiritual disciplines are a way to open ourselves up to what God is doing. A means of grace. When you read your Bible, when you pray, when you come to church, when you just you know, think with God or talk with Him as you're walking through the day or whatever it is that would be Opening yourself up to God's work. It's just creating space for God to work. It's just being on the sailboat and say, Jesus, what's next? Jesus, what's next? Jesus, what's next? Jesus, what's next? It's opening ourselves up to what God is saying. Um, another one from Charlie. Okay, Our walk with Jesus is not a job description. It's a doctor's prescription. We don't work to get paid Okay, well, I work for God. You know, I work for no. God works for you. He is working for you, and you're sick, and you need a doctor. And so the doctor gives you a prescription that you take, and it makes you better. 
You don't go back to the doctor and say, all right, I, I took the prescription, so how, how about some money too? I did what you said. I'm, you know, I'm following your orders. You know, doctor doesn't pay you. He's working for you. God is working for you. He's the one doing the work in you. You're just following the prescription. And that is to receive his love. We can do that in a lot of different ways. That's what the spiritual disciplines are about. Now, you know you've made the spiritual disciplines an or when you start feeling guilt. Or comparison. Man, I know, you know, that Brian guy, he reads his Bible like, you know, two times a week. I only do it once. Man, I stink. No. That is a tip-off that there's something wrong and you're viewing those things as you earning something with God. Or when you don't do them, you're feeling guilt. God doesn't deal in guilt. He deals in grace. So today's a new day. Guess what? You get to start over. We've got to stop measuring things when it comes to our spiritual life. Break the ruler in Jesus' name. God's not constantly just measuring you up. Okay. You could have done a little better this week. Guess you're still my kid. Uh, yeah, I guess you are. No, it's grace. The currency of heaven is grace. God loves you. He's always with you. The devil's plan is to convince you otherwise, that God's not going to speak. He's not working. The wind stopped. You're on a sailboat. There's no wind. There's no one else there. You can't go anywhere. Lies. The wind is always blowing. God is always working on you. He's always with you. You've got you to have the grit to believe that. But what does Romans 12, 1 and 2 say? Famous verse, right? I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable God to God, which is your spiritual worship. You're just giving yourself up. You're just opening yourself up to God and saying, work in me. You can change me. I can't change myself. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Passive voice. By the renewing of your mind. This is where the battle is. Your mind must be renewed to believe that God is good, that He's with you, the wind is always blowing, you're on a sailboat, Jesus is helping guide you, and He can change you. So the spiritual disciplines just open you up to the love of God. It's not earning anything with God. We are transformed. The trap then is not to believe that Jesus is with us, that He's the Holy, the Holy Spirit's with us. Okay? Life comes through the relationship. There's one way to get to the tree of life. To eat of the tree of life. It's being with Jesus. That is above and beyond everything else. Is walking with Jesus. It's, you know, it's not just, okay, read your Bible, pray, go to church. No. Those are things you do, yes, that can open you up to Jesus. But the whole goal is walking with Jesus. It's getting your love in His heart because He's the only one that can change you. And remember, it's Christ in you that is the hope of glory. It's Christ in you. What gives God the most glory? Men and women fully alive. Filled with His Spirit. Filled with His love. Little images, idols of God walking all over the world. Reflecting His glory everywhere. Right? What's the hope of the nations? that people filled with the Spirit will go and bring the Gospel to people that have never heard so they can walk with Jesus too. Life comes through relationship. There's one way. There's one path. It's following Jesus. He's leading us to the tree of life. Let's pray.